Hey guys, it's Adriana Steele here, and I am super excited about the conversation that you are getting ready to hear. It was actually so great of a conversation, we had to break it up into two parts. So in this first part, I got to sit down with uh, Michael Rhodes, Rebecca Rhodes, and Sir Gregory Thornton, and we talked about Epiphany. Um, We also talked about the Capitol riots that happened on Epiphany last year and how um, the story of Epiphany and just the story of the gospel can help us to hold events like that and process events like that. So I hope that you guys come to this conversation with an open mind and continue to process these things with us as we figure this out in one take. Here we go. Come on, take one, baby. So, uh, Michael Rhodes, I'm going to ask you, what is Epiphany and why do we celebrate it? Yeah, so, I mean, I should say right out of the gate, I did not really grow up celebrating Epiphany either. And, you know, definitely not an expert, but lots of church traditions celebrate this holiday of Epiphany. There's some variety in the way they celebrate it. Um, But some commonalities is Epiphany, January 6th, is the 12th day after Christmas. So it's kind of the official end of the Christmas season, and it introduces the season of Epiphany. On Epiphany, we celebrate the visit of the Magi or the wise men to visit Jesus, Um, and also themes of light and God's revelation. Jesus' revelation as God are themes that the church often celebrates at Epiphany. But the reason, I mean, I kind of went through a phase a few years ago where I got really interested in the church calendar, and the thing I like the most about Epiphany is... You know, historically, the church has celebrated Advent more like we celebrate Lent. So Mm -hmm. Advent is seen as like a time of like waiting in the dark. There's confession of sin. You're thinking about judgment, you know. And then then Christmas Day is this first day of this 12-day party Mm -hmm. where you're really reflecting on like this incredible news that God has become human. But when you celebrate Christmas as a Christian in America, we sort of start the excited Christmas stuff, like <laughs> December 1st, right? Yeah. You're not even done with Thanksgiving where yeah. people are excited. And so you lose all the kind of thoughtful, reflective Advent mm-hmm. stuff. And by the time you get to Christmas, you're exhausted, right? <laughs> From so, celebrating. Right. So I always get to Christmas. I'm like, man, I spent a lot of time thinking about gifts and what to buy for people and mm-hmm. very little time, like thinking about the incarnation. So Epiphany is like my Christmas round two. I get to like yeah. sing the songs, think about the story and, and, of course, I just love this story of the wise men and these, these magi coming from the nations to worship Jesus. So that's a little bit about my experience of Epiphany. Yeah, yeah, cool. So, uh, okay, that's good to know that you didn't grow up celebrating it either because I was talking to Rebecca one day, and she was like, you know, I didn't grow up doing it. Yeah. But So I guess, Rebecca, like, why are you so excited to celebrate it now, like in adulthood? Yeah, just playing off of what Michael said, I mean, I think December by t- December 25th, I'm like kind of tired. <laughs> and so then being able to start the year fresh, but remembering it's still Christmas and I get to, yeah. So this year specifically, like getting to celebrate Epiphany, um, without kind of some of the typical distractions of Christmas. I mean, and as much as I want Christmas to be about the birth of Jesus and celebrating that, it's just like, I mean, y'all know the mm-hmm. cultural tides of mm-hmm. like, did we get the right gifts for our kids? And did, you know, did, did I make enough food? And is that thing, you know, burned in the oven, you know? And so it really is like, um, 
yeah, practically for me, I think that's, that helps a lot that it's like, uh, no one expects anything of January 6th. And then all of a sudden it's like, we get to just sing the songs and kind of like have a, um, celebration without some of the distractions that maybe typically weigh us down in December. And then I, you know, one thing I'm struck by with Epiphany in some of the church traditions, like on Sunday we had the kids, you know, take one shoe off. And Michael was saying, I wasn't very clear in the children's sermon about why that is. Like the Magi are like coming and limping after a long journey, but kids being able to do something really physical, but adults too, like people like doing something with their bodies, I think helps people to remember the story. So I love the physicality of um, some of the epiphany traditions. So taking the shoe off, walking around, kind of feeling all of that. I love that. Yeah, yeah and I love all the, I think one reason why Rebecca and I both gravitate towards the, some aspects of the church calendar is because there are all these feasts. Mm-hmm. And the church calendar, you sort of feast your way and fast your way through the life of Jesus every year. And so just like Israel, when they celebrate Passover, it's like they're bodily reenacting the Exodus, right? They're literally going through the physical motions, Mm -hmm. right? And so likewise, our Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, uh, you know, Passover, Easter feasts, liturgies are the, the historic church has all these traditions to help us kind of perform that, to live that out bodily. Mm -hmm. And in contrast to kind of a lot of the way we American Christians do it, where it's just lots of teaching aimed at your head. I love the idea that we're like teaching when when we're, when we're thinking about sin during Lent, we're teaching our bodies by fasting from things. And when Mm -hmm. we're celebrating that God has risen to new life, we're doing that with our bodies by feasting. And, you know, so I love all of, and even, you know, there's a tradition of like the epiphany King's cakes. Right. And I was just reading actually Christianity today has, um, an article with like six or eight, uh, Latino and Latinas talking about, uh, three Kings day, which is the Latino celebration of epiphany, which is apparently a really big deal. Um, which I didn't know much about, but just like that whole kind of, you know, physically, bodily entering the story, I think is such a huge part of it for me. Well, and let me add, so you talk about liturgies that, I mean, I am really drawn, we are drawn to like practices, like uh, really physical things that like have a really important manifestation, like in our hearts and like in the spiritual, in the really big world that we believe in. Um, But Christmas time, December has been so dominated by culture. We have liturgies and a lot of them are very pagan. And I think that's one thing I really love about Epiphany is again, no one expects anything January 6th, right? Like, but uh, in December, I feel, I don't know if whoever's listening to this podcast, if you relate like this weight of like, uh, responsibilities that are like, does this really have to do with Jesus? And I don't know what to do about it. I would love advice (laughs) on that. Maybe that's a different podcast, but like, January 6th, being able to come in and say, this really is about Jesus. Like mm-hmm. in December, I'm like, this is about Jesus. See, we give gifts and receive gifts, but it, it feels really hard to like teach that to the kids and teach that to myself, my greedy materialistic <laughs> self in December. And I don't know, maybe I already said that, but I think that's a really December. The liturgies are so full and pagan <laughs> that I'm like really ready for actual Christian liturgy. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. even know. Does yeah. And like pagan, like, I mean, in the sense of like, uh, my primary liturgy in December is like staying up too late shopping on Amazon. For yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like That's what I'm, yeah. Going to yeah. 15 different Christmas parties or, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? Yeah. And, and just being exhausted. Yeah. And yeah, not doing bad things, but just doing things that I'm like, oh, no. Figuring There's... out what you can still talk about at family dinner. You know, that's my mm-hmm. primary Christmas liturgy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. It's definitely stressful. Um, so, yeah, like, how does this story, because I think, like, I knew the story, but I can't say that I've, I've spent a whole lot of time thinking about um, these, like, astrologers <laughs> coming to worship Jesus. And during your sermon Sunday, it was, like, great to just think about that. Like, these weren't, like, biblical scholars at all. That's not <laughs> what this was. Because, um, you know, like the song, We Three Kings. Yes. You think of these magnificent kings yes. that love Jesus. But these were, like, astrologers. Uh, uh, sorry, astrologers um, coming to worship Jesus rather than biblical scholars. Um, so how do you feel like that story speaks to our society today? How does it speak to your heart uh, that these, you know, astrologers came? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's so much going on in that story, right? Like, on the one hand, it's like the fulfillment of the Old Testament saying that when God arrives on the scene, he will bring the nations in. So like at just in Matthew, just as soon as God arrives, the very next thing that happens is the nations are streaming in. Yeah. And the reason why you get this overlap where sometimes people, they're definitely not kings. Right. But I think the reason why we talk about them as kings is because they are partially fulfilling this prophecy from Isaiah that the wealth of nations will be mm-hmm. brought into mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So it's like the wise men represent this, like all the good and greatness and glory of the nations being brought to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then you also have all this stuff of like, yeah, these guys are pagans, right? And so they, they have to, there's like a leaving behind. And then the fact that God sends them a star, you know, I'm just like dazzled by that. I think that's just really remarkable. Rebecca and I both, as, as I was preparing for the sermon, we both talked about how, you know, what's that like today? Well, a lot of the Muslims that we've met or heard about who've come to Jesus, their first encounter with Jesus was in a dream. You know, that, they, came, that they that they asked for, right? Like during the month of Ramadan, during their mm-hmm. month of fasting, mm-hmm. then Muslims ask for dreams from God. And a lot of, right? I mean, is that right? Muslims come have come to Jesus through a dream that they have asked Allah for, wow. and then they come to know Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not just a dream, but it's a dream that they've literally, like in the time of when dreams come to Muslims. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that aspect. But just yeah. the idea that like God like gets where we are, comes to us where we are, mm-hmm. you know, speaks to us in language that we can understand, even if, like, as in the case of astrology, that language has some problems, right? Like, that's not, mm-hmm. like, an appropriate way to engage the world, but God gets in the mess with them. And then just, like, the whole thing of, like, of, of like them sort of throwing in stark contrast the fact that many of the people who should have um, come to Jesus miss out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's people with political power and people with religious power and people who are afraid who stay where they are yeah. instead of coming to meet King Jesus. And it's people who are, you know, uh, relatively poor like Joseph and Mary and the shepherds and people who are outsiders like the wise men who come. And so just that whole thing, I mean, it's like, it's like the whole thing happening all in this one story, you know, mm-hmm. all these crucial mm-hmm. truths about God's kingdom and, and who God is. Um, I just love the story. I think it's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, that was my first time hearing Matthew chapter 2 and the wise man and like being preached as like these are not Jewish believers. Like they are not priests who knew the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just super enlightening to me and just even thinking about how you said you just kept bringing up the point that God used where they were mm-hmm. um, to bring to reveal Him to them, 
like I couldn't help but think about like you said they were astrologers looking at stars but they found like the star mm. Mm. and I just couldn't help but think about just how like like they were longing for more mm. in a mm. sense like what they were looking to or living in still wasn't f- fulfilling them yes mm. yeah, um, and just the whole mindset I'm like just the whole just ideal of how we you know live for the things in this world or or whatever but it's like we're still longing for more um, I'm fasting I'm praying as a Muslim but I'm asking for this dream because I'm still thirsty. I'm still searching for more. And just the ideal of how I think they're still so relevant today because I do think we live in a time, even as Christians, of, yes, God, I believe. Yes, God, I go to church every Sunday, but but this can't be it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm still looking for the true God. Like, I'm still looking for the true Christ. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And here, we kind of just been talking about the ideal of living a... Adrian, help me. Living a Christian, oh, a, living in a Christless uh, Christianity, yes. like, yeah. mm-hmm. like just uh, how we have, even with COVID. Like, I remember when COVID first started and we was at home trying to do church online. Like week two, it was like it was like, yeah, we did it, church online. <laughs> Guys, gather around the TV. Whoa, we did it. Then about week, about month two came, it was just like. Okay, let me stand and sing in my living room. <laughs> let me try to fake it. I'm about to take a nap during a sermon. And and then it just kind of kept going. And I think, like, that kind of produced, and, and a lot of us just kind of, um, I don't need this, mm. or let me mm. find Christ another way, or mm. let me, um, you know, um, just kind of go through the motions, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I think even for us, as as the church, um, I think the epiphany still shows us the one true king has yes. come, mm-hmm. and it's not a, a routine that we need, but we do need to intentionally seek him out. Yeah, yeah, and I love that, and because it's like it's all the story's got all this stuff about leaving behind to come to Jesus, right? Yeah, you know, they they have to leave; they're in the east and they travel, right, mm-hmm. to come to Jesus. And, you know, I think so many times it's like the people of God, we, it's just a really fruitful question to ask, what are the things that we have to leave behind mm-hmm. to go to Jesus? And then also, and this is like, maybe this is like sanctified imagination stuff, but I, li- I also like to think about how then they have to go back, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, yeah. T.S. Eliot has this really famous poem about the wise men where he talks about how they go back and they are no longer at ease in the old dispensation. And the idea is that they're living in this land where they had had, you know, slaves and gods and all this stuff. And now they're back there and they're having to figure out how do we live Mm -hmm. here now that we've been there. Mm -hmm. And it's like there was, and then this famous line, like there was a birth there, but also death. Mm -hmm. Right. And so just that kind of like image for the Christian life of like, we, we have to, leave things behind to get to Jesus, but then we have to figure out what it means to live with Jesus in the world that we find ourselves in, which means like saying no to things and saying yes to things and 
saying sort of to things and navigating <laughs> all of that, you know? And, um, I mean, obviously Matthew two doesn't give you all that, but that, that it's like a parable almost mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. that aspect it's of the Christian life. Yeah. I think it also speaks to like non-believers, mm. this idea that these pagan people came to worship God yes. and like he, again, like he met them where they were, which is looking up at the stars, right. you know what right. I mean? Just this idea, I think, um, going back to like the, the Christless Christianity that we sometimes hear, like you have to get yourself together mm. to come to God. You have to be cleaned up. You have to, mm. you know, check all these boxes to be a Christian. It's just like, no, these pagan astrologers came to Jesus and gave them, gave him their best. Yes. Yeah. They left behind what they knew yes. to come to Jesus. And I think that's all it really takes. You know what I'm saying? Mm. We don't have to get ourselves cleaned up to come to God. Yeah. We really don't. And even as Christians that maybe, mm. you know, you feel like you've been far. Right in this pandemic and just tired or whatever like you don't have to clean yourself up you don't have to mm-hmm. try to be happy you right. know what I'm saying you can come to God and say I'm sad this is not what my life you know what I thought my life mm-hmm. was gonna be like um, but like he meets us where we yeah. are yeah. Um, and we don't have to be perfect wow. yeah. you know to come to God yeah there's also even like yeah I love that and there's also even like this I mean this may be controversial like maybe this is deeper than we want to go but you know there's like this this missiological, this mission question of like when the gospel, when the good news about Jesus goes to new places, how does that good news about Jesus relate to the way of life that it mm-hmm. encounters there? And even the religious beliefs. And like one way to think about that is like uh, the people that know Jesus bring all the good stuff and they have to confront all the bad stuff they find there. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one way to think yeah, about it. But, yeah. but missiologists, people who study mission, like increasingly talk about how the gospel, the good news about Jesus, when the story of Jesus encounters a new people who've never heard it, it says both no and yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like Paul, yeah. uh, when he's pr- going around, he quotes these pagan, uh, prophets, philosophers, it says, mm-hmm. you know, this is like that. And so one mm-hmm. way to think about that star is that like God can even use mm-hmm. the messed mm-hmm. up thing that he can speak in that language. And so yeah. there are stories of missionaries for the last 200 years going to remote places and discovering communities that have worldviews and stories and prophecies that like actually pave the way mm-hmm. for yeah. For yeah. receiving Jesus, yeah. and and that's not because like everybody's got a little bit of the light. That's because God got there first. Like yeah. God created the world. God's present with all people. So I like to even think of the stars like God's ability mm-hmm. to use mm-hmm. the star, which yeah. outside of Him is sort of. Eh, but but he can say, like, no, I can I can grab that. I can use that. Yes. You know? Yes. Yes. Amen. All right. So I'm gonna uh, shift gears a little bit. So we've talked about this story. We've talked about Jesus, the light of the world, coming into the world um, that is broken. And I was struck by, as I I was preparing for this, that um, another thing happened on January 6th. (laughs) So you may remember that um, there was a riot at the Capitol on January 6th last year. Um, and 2021. 2021. And um, since then, just a quick recap, more than 725 people have been charged related to this attack. Um, those facing charges come from 46 states plus D.C. Um, they had a wide range of careers. Um but with, with all of that, more than 140 police officers suffered injuries at the hand of this mob. Um, another thing that I think all of us were struck by is that, you know, Christian music was played mm. during this riot. Mm. Um, and some of the people 
that were there called themselves Christians. Um, and so I guess with what we're talking about, the light of the world um, and Jesus coming in, in the flesh, how does that help you to wrestle with things like this? Mm. Um, how does that inform just your worldview? Um, yeah. Hmm. I mean, just like reading that story of the Capitol riot in dialogue with the Epiphany story, there's like some obvious uh, like connections, right? Because the story of a king coming at a time when there are other kings in Matthew 2 ends in violence, right? The story of a president coming in when there's another president leads to violence. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about regime change. That's what the yeah. gospel is about is regime change. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, like just the violence and anger and energy that attends, uh, that attended this particular transition from the presidency of Donald Trump, the presidency of Joe Biden, like we can re- like, the, the story reminds there is nothing new about yeah. about regime change leading to violence, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so on the one hand, it's like a perfect comparison because you have all this, this power stuff, this political power mm-hmm. stuff, and how just uncomfortable it is when the powers are shifting. But for me, I mean, I think what's interesting is to think about um, if the wise men are a parable of, of, of what all Christians encounter when they come to Jesus, that we now have to learn how to live pledging our allegiance to him uh, in the communities from which we've come, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we have to go back and live in the communities from which we've come with our allegiance to Jesus, then it raises the question of like, is it really permissible in American Christianity to pledge allegiance to Jesus and then be involved with mm-hmm. carrying Christian flags and Confederate flags, right? Yeah. Carrying, uh, singing Christian songs, praying a prayer that, you know, this is saying that, you know, this is our country, not their country in the Capitol building. Like where, yeah. where does allegiance to Jesus allow us to disagree about what we think about politics and how we respond? And where does our allegiance to Jesus just say no to yeah. certain political options and political practices, right? Yeah. Ooh, guys, I know it was just starting to get good. Don't be mad at us. Please just check us out next week for part two of this wonderful conversation. We pray you have a great week. Thanks for listening.